The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I'm going to be playing yet another clubhouse room. I hope that you are getting value from these rooms. I know that everybody who comes, everybody who shares, everybody who listens is getting a lot of value. There are some great conversations being had here. Today's room was audio taped on the 29th of October, 2022. And we are dealing with a number of subjects that deal specifically with issues of self-sabotage. We're all struggling. Many of us have gone through a lot of difficulties, a lot of setbacks, a lot of things that have kept us from moving forward. But those things have kept us from moving forward because we've chosen to stay put as a result of them. What do I mean by that? Is that we cannot change our circumstances. No. If we're living in a bad situation, if bad things are happening around us, we cannot change that with a simple mindset. Our mindset can't change what we are surrounded by or what we're going through. But what a mindset can do is change the way that we look at what we're surrounded by and what we do as a result of what we're surrounded by. It gives us the choice to overcome, to remain resilient, and to move forward. Remember, your mindset, what you choose to believe, and the actions that you take will make all the difference. And now, without any further delay, it is my pleasure to throw on this episode of Clubhouse, take control of your life, negotiate your way, out of self-sabotage. Yeah, let's do that. But before we do, I just want to make everybody aware that this is a very safe place to be and uh, feel free to be vulnerable to open up. If there's something that you're going to be talking about that you feel uh, may be a trigger warning for someone, please do let us know what it is uh, because there's somebody in the audience who might want to leave for a few moments grab themselves a coffee and come back. So just let us know what that trigger warning is if you feel that it might trigger other people. Also, we are not dispensing therapy in this room. Uh, we do have doctors who join us, but by no means is this meant to be a substitute for therapy or anything else. We're pouring from what we know, what we've learned, and the things that we've gone through. So that's what it would be all about here. So thank you for understanding that. Also, my brother, Robert, who has joined us here for a few months now, he always contributes something great. This morning, he put something on his Facebook social media about, uh, it was a, a doctor, Gabriel Lyon, uh, who was talking about the importance of mantras, daily mantras. And, and maybe, Robert, 
if you are available, maybe you can explain it a little bit more. I think I think it's absolutely beautiful. I know I commented on it, and I actually grabbed a video from YouTube to post on your post. So are you there to comment more on that, Robert? Uh, sure, bro, but can I do it a little bit later? I just got uh, one thing I got to take care of very quickly, but I will circle back to that in a couple moments. You okay? bet. So let's get started then. All right. So happy Saturday, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well and welcome to the Take Control of Your Life Club. Uh, in If you are not a member and you want to be alerted of rooms that we have, please click on that little greenhouse and join the club. Uh, we are going to be talking about negotiating our way out of self-sabotage. Everyone has suffered from self-sabotage or is suffering from self-sabotage at some point in their life, and you may be going through it right now. In just a few minutes, I'll go through some of the well, some of the things that can sabotage us, and we're going to be talking about that as we go along. Before I do that, before I give you my monologue, I'm going to turn it over to King and Robert, and hopefully other moderators will join us, but I want them to introduce themselves to you and also talk a little bit about what they offer offline as well, because I think it's important that you know who's talking with you and also what it is that they do uh, when they're not here on Clubhouse serving others. So right over to King, my friend, over to you. Thanks so much, Paul. Um, yeah, hello everyone. And so my name is King and I am a social media and communication strategist and also a travel influencer. And so what I do uh, outside of Clubhouse is I help small businesses uh, with uh, any brand building they might want to do in digital media, um, whether it be a mark, uh, marketing a product or service or their company. So I help them develop the strategies uh, to do that and also help them execute those if necessary as well. And also I work with uh, tourism uh, companies and boards and uh, also other travel related companies in helping to promote destinations or teach people about travel, share tips, all that kind of good stuff. And so those are the things that I do outside of Clubhouse here. So if anyone does have any um, when anyone wants, wants to chat about communication and social media or travel, you know, feel free to DM me on my Insta. I'm always happy to chat about that. And so, Robert, if you are ready to introduce yourself, I will hand the microphone over to you, Robert. The stage is yours. Uh, thank you, uh, King. Uh, Paul, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you're calling from. My name is Robert Nadeau. Uh, I am Paul's brother. Um, yes, as Paul mentioned earlier, I've been coming here for several months now, and um, I think I bring a slightly different perspective to the moderator uh, team. Uh, my uh, background, my, in my undergrad was in philosophy, and I majored in the history of philosophy and science. I have been a lifelong student of critical thinking. Uh, I have a series of posts um, on my Facebook page, 40 installments on one to two minute reads on what critical thinking is and how it can help us sort through the conflicting claims, uh, truth claims and, and narratives out there that uh, threaten to just drag us down. Uh, so uh, by day, I am a lawyer. Um, I uh, practice law in, in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, and I guess by evening, I am a mentalist. I am a performer. Mentalism is a kind of, it, it's part of the magical arts, part of the magical entertainment. My tagline is magic for the intelligent mind. Uh, mentalism is, is different from normal magic. Normal magic is sort of like sleight of hand or illusions or anything. 
What I do is more sleight of mind. It's more uh, sort of a uh, the, the illusion of mind reading, but it's a very, very powerful illusion of mind reading. And so that's basically what I do. Um, and um, uh, Paul, I don't know if this would be the time to, uh, I, I think I, I will pass it over to Dr. Allison and then to Michelle. And maybe after the moderators have um, introduced themselves, I can circle around and, and uh, just uh, comment a little bit on Dr. Gabriel Lyon. So with your permission, bro, I see your thumbs up. I will hand this over to Dr. Allison. That's all yours, Dr. Allison. Thank you, Robert. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison Oklufi. Uh Sorry I missed last week. I was actually in jail uh, assessing somebody uh, so we can move the case to mental health court and get the person the rehabilitation that they need um, to become an autonomous and productive member of society. So that's kind of one of my passions. And I'm a clinical uh, psychologist here in Northern California. I'm also an educational psychologist. I'm also a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm a mind-body uh, stress reduction facilitator and a yoga instructor. And you're more than welcome to visit my YouTube uh, page channel where there's a bunch of free breath work, um, yoga nidra, a whole bunch of relaxation, calming, soothing exercises you can do in three breaths. Really simple. And uh, I've been doing a lot of coaching lately, which I never thought I would want to do. Um, it's really uh, for executives with burnout, but then I just started working with some financial advisors on, on uh, dating and all these interesting things that I, um, I trained for a while ago. Um, so interesting that, you know, so I, I find it so interesting that people resist coaching and coaching is for individuals who don't have a, a necessarily a mental uh, illness or any sort of other issues than just life problems. And I know that we have some amazing coaches in this room um, that are on the moderating team, but they're also in the audience. So my philosophy is if you can help another person to be their best selves, let's celebrate each other and do that. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't agree with you more. I think everybody needs a coach at some point in their life. So thank you very much for that share. Michelle, over to you. Well, happy Saturday, everybody. I hope that everybody is um, starting out the day yeah, coming into this room and excited to just hear what comes up on the stage because every time I learn and every time I, I feel I get such a deeper connection to the individuals who come in here. And that's a joy for me because I love people. Um, I've always loved people. I feel everybody is a miracle. I think, you know, we're all one of a kind and there's a key to every person. And that's one of the reasons that I love doing what I do because I've been a management consultant for about 25 years in between also doing HR and uh, I have been a transformational coach and trainer for that same period of time. And so really I work with people, as Dr. Allison said, coaching people uh, to see their blind spots, to help them shift who they're being, to um, dance differently with fear, uh, to move forward. And I've uh, been able to do that in business as well as in people's personal lives. And so I, I'm a certified in a bunch of different types of coaching. You can just look on my profile, but I'm here basically to listen and learn and just add in occasionally. And I just want to add a caveat that my daughter actually is having a little problem. She it teaches at a barn. She's a riding instructor and horse trainer. She's young. She's 19. 
and she has a she has a client who won't leave someone who's being um sort of belligerent and um you know wanting to just kind of go into the barn by themselves and do whatever they want and the barn is usually off limits to uh the riders so if i am silent for a bit that's why i'm just going to go down and flex my my brawn uh, and just help her because I just don't want her to be alone. But, you know, this is the type of stuff that happens. And she knew she couldn't quite do it on her own. So she's asking me to intervene. So uh, with that, I'm sending the mic back to you, Paul, and um, very excited to be here. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And if I could fly over there right now to be your backup, I certainly would do that in the New York second. So uh, speaking of which, uh, King and I are going to be in New York uh, next Tuesday. I have to see you guys. Oh, it would be amazing. We're looking forward to the trip and uh, and the work that's going to be done there. So hopefully we can connect with you, Michelle. And Glenn, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Well, it is morning over here, Paul as I have moved my body all the way from London uh, to Reno, Nevada. So I'm here today. And if you will pull to refresh, <clears throat> you'll see the lovely Eleni, who I had a wonderful encounter with. Carolyn and I met up with Eleni at a place, of course, called Paul. <laughs> and, and I sent Paul the photo. Uh, if you, you can't see it in the photo, it's really tight of us, but <clears throat> excuse me, right up above us, it says Paul. Oh, I love it. Of course, of course we dined there, but it was uh, lovely seeing one another. And I'm here to, in Reno to give a talk. So, uh, we've got a big, big gathering here, the millionaire mindset community, and I am their keynote speaker. I'm going to go downstairs and shake hands and get with the program. I went to bed last night. But this is the avoidance of sabotage. This is the opposite of getting oneself out of it. This is how not to fall into it by building an excellent ramp. <clears throat> so I'm going to offer a thought. I've got a temporary little frog in my throat, but I want to let everyone know something that I'll be sharing in this talk today that came to me on the airplane flight home from London. And all of my talks are designed out of whispers and it's, a beautiful thing that when we still ourselves and quieten our minds, we hear things and we hear divine answers. We hear crystal clarity. We come from a place of knowing and a place of emotional freedom. And so what I want to talk about this morning is a thing called mental monogamy. Mental monogamy. You heard me right. And Mental monogamy, we're taught in monogamy, you know, you hear a lot about monogamy and being in a monogamous, monogamous relationship, and <clears throat> certainly not all relationships are monogamous, but uh, the better part of marriages at least go into it intended to be monogamous, and I'm not on a soapbox here, I'm just offering a thought that's quite powerful. The whole idea of monogamy is that you stay the hell away from other people's butts, in mental monogamy, you also stay away from their butts, but their butts have one T instead of two. To not take on the butts of other people. I know that my life is a testimony to this because uh, the world is certainly not lacking with its doubters. There are plenty of doubters in the world. This is not just my opinion. 
there's a lot of doubt in the world. And the question is, do we participate in that or not? And if we're not intentional, if we're not crystal clear, and if we don't honor the deepest yearnings of our own soul, then we can be subjected to the doubts of others or the buts of others, where they are saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, I hear you, but. I can't wait to put a but on your dream. Let me put my butt in your face, right? The face of your vision. Let me stick my butt in your face. And it's a different butt. And I got to say, it'll do just as much damage as their two-teed butt. So hopefully you're both smiling and learning something with this, but it is going to be at the epicenter of my talk today about really remaining true because look, our path is unique unless we decide it isn't. And it can be as unique and as wonderful as we want it to be. And Paul, the reason I'm sharing now instead of in lieu of an introduction is because I'm at a conference and I won't be on this call. Uh, I've got to go downstairs. I get to go downstairs and be a part of this conference energy and shake loads of hands and chat with people and be there for the lunch break and then all ramping into uh, being ready. I went to bed the earliest I've been to bed since I was, I think, eight, eight years old. I went to bed at 9 p.m. And that's what I did because I'm still on London time. So I went to bed at 9 p.m. and I woke up at 4, stayed up for an hour, went back to bed for a couple of more hours. And I am so well rested and so eager and so ready, frankly. And this is an additional practicing of I live my life in such a way that tomorrow I'm proud of my yesterday. And I've said that every week in here for the last month. And my life is illustrating that even in this moment, I live my life in such a way that tomorrow I'm proud of my yesterday. I'll close with that. Love to the room. Elaine, it was so good to see you, honey. Big, big hugs to you. Michelle, I love you dearly. Paul, I love you. And King, I love you. Everybody in the room, love, 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 and more love. Make great choices. You'll be glad you did. Oh, my goodness. Can I just say what an absolute divine gift um, to have met you, Glenn. I, I mean, when you say a big heart and a beautiful soul and an extreme light bearer, that's you, my darling. And I really, honestly, I just feel so honored to be on this app and to have met gorgeous people like you, like Michelle, like Paul, like all of the people here extraordinary extraordinary souls we all have extraordinary stories i just want to say i adore you and love you to bits and your wife so um yeah i just feel really um on top of the world at the moment and um life for all of us is really about stepping into your abundance and your blessings, being mindful what you speak 
over yourself because that's what you will become and staying in the magic of life because we're all divinely made we're all light bearers we're all beautiful souls but you need to step into that and believe in yourself get out of the victim and get into being a success story i just wanted to leave that with you and also paul i've got a girlfriend that literally is flying in from la um, and she's on her way here. So I know she's just texted me to say she'll be banging on my door in 10 minutes. But I just wanted to come in, spread the love, spread the light, and just say adore you all to bits. Thank you, everyone. And Glenn, enjoy that conference. I know that you're going to knock it right out of the ballpark. What a, an amazing event that must be. Would love to be there. And Eleni, thank you so much for, for joining us. And Michelle, good luck with what you're going to be doing. And uh, we're, we're going to be just uh, running the room with a few, but uh, it's going to be great. Robert, I'm going to pass the microphone over to you because there's a message I think that you could uh, spread uh, for us with uh, Gabrielle Lyons, doctor. Yeah, Paul, actually, I was thinking of that. Um, you know, I think with you providing your usual introduction first, which provides a nice background for what I have to say about Dr. Gabriel's um, message uh, would be a perfect segue after you've given that broad introduction to what self-sabotage is, if that's okay with you. Of course, I'll go right back to you. So again, welcome everybody. Uh, a little bit about myself. I am a former hostage negotiator and international peacekeeper. I was also a detective in the Special Victims Unit. A little bit about my past is that I suffered from self-sabotage for the longest time. Um, my brother and I were both abused as children and, well, I think a lot of people have been, but it was pretty severe abuse. We got over it and I made it a mission to really reach out and help people who were going through similar things that I'd gone through. When I worked in the Special Victims Unit, it was an opportunity for me to really uh, help people who had gone through such terrible things. And I was taught by some of the best people on how to do that. And they are methods in which I use for myself as well. So what is self-sabotage? If we take a look at the word sabotage, for example, let's just eliminate the self and let's take a look at what sabotage is. Sabotage in its definition is to deliberately damage, destroy, or obstruct something. It's a deliberate act. And when we hear about this on the news that X, Y, and Z have been sabotaged, we know somebody did a deliberate act. It wasn't by accident. Somebody tried to damage, destroy, or obstruct something. When it comes to self-sabotage, let's put the self back in there. We're actually doing pretty much the same thing. We're either self-destroying, we're self-damaging, or we're self-obstructing ourselves. Self-sabotage refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from doing the things that we want to do and living the life that we deserve to live. And a big emphasis on deserve. Everybody deserves to live a good life. Regrettably, not everybody does. What are some examples of self-sabotage? Some of the examples include blaming others when things go wrong. Here's one where if there's a breakdown in a relationship or trouble at work, or maybe you lost your job, 
the person who's experiencing this turns and without looking at themselves, points the fingers at others and say, to say that relationship, uh, that relationship didn't work out because he was this way, always this way, or she was that way, always that way. So the blame does not go on yourself. It goes on whatever or whoever, whatever the circumstances are. The job, the boss was out to get me. Uh, all the staff out there were talking behind my back. Everybody was out to get me. So blaming others when things go wrong is an act of self-sabotage because you're not examining what you may have said or done to contribute to that situation. You're not being totally and brutally honest with yourself. And I think that that's so important for us to examine our lives and to make the adjustments that we need to make in order to move through this world that much better. Another one is not being accountable to yourself or to others, making promises to yourself or to someone else that you never follow through on. I'm going to lose that 15 pounds of, of weight. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And then the next day you're back to eating as much or drinking as much or doing whatever because you're really not going to follow through on the promise that you made to yourself. And if you're going to make a promise to somebody else and you let them down, what kind of a message does that leave them with? It's an act of self-sabotage, not being accountable to yourself or to others because the relationship with yourself is damaged with yourself, yes, because you'll feel bad. You won't really be able to trust yourself. And the same is true with other people. They will judge you based not only on your words, but based on your actions. Another one is choosing to walk away when things don't go right. And very similar to blaming others when things go wrong, if you walk away from something that doesn't go right for you, is it really going to go away? Or are you going to have to face it some other time? Sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich is not gonna make things go right. In fact, it's going to come back to haunt you. Whatever you don't handle right now will likely come back even worse the next time. Procrastination is also an example of self-sabotage, looking at things in their entirety and telling yourself your conscious mind saying, I'll never be able to do this. If you use that language and your conscious mind actually thinks it, your unconscious mind obeys the conscious mind and does everything it can to make that happen because they are just simply followers of the conscious mind. The unconscious mind will say, you're right, he can't do it. So let's make sure that it doesn't get done. And that's the kind of thought that comes into us. Uh, this another one is picking fights with friends or partners for what appears to be no reason at all other than maybe you're sensing that you're not being seen or heard by someone special. And if you don't approach that person in a loving way and just say, I feel, or I sense that I'm not being seen, I'm not being heard, whatever it is, and open that channel of communication. But if you start a fight, that's not the way to make a relationship better, is it? It's going to make it that much worse and people are going to get angry and that's not what we want. Dating people that you know are not right for you. This is a big one for a lot of people. A lot of people don't understand their value or they don't examine themselves to see what it is that they must do to attract the right kind of person into their life. A lot of people go back to that same toxic relationship. Why? They don't believe that they are worthy of something better or they don't do the work to become the people that they need to become. We are energy. 
and we broadcast energy. If you are a person who believes in themselves and you value yourself, then you're going to broadcast that energy. That confidence is gonna come out and you're going to attract someone on that same energy level to you. They're going to, there's gonna be a connection there because that's what energy does. Energy attracts like energy. Now, if you're someone who keeps saying, I always end up dating a cheater, I always end up dating uh, somebody who lets me down, who abuses me, whatever, what kind of energy do you think you're gonna be pouring out to, the, uh, to, to everybody out there? You're gonna be pouring that out and somebody who is an abuser, who's gonna hurt you, is gonna pick up on that because that's the energy they're looking for and that's what you're going to attract again. So value yourself, take a look at yourself. Uh, Socrates said that an unexamined life is a life not worth living and it's so true. Every once in a while we just have to take a look at the things that are going right in our life and the things that are not going right. The, those that are going right we have to celebrate, even the smallest things. But those that are not going right, let's take a look at what we must do to make sure that they go better? Is there a relationship that I have to work on? What must I do to become that ideal employee, that ideal person to attract an ideal soulmate? What must I do? And we take a look at that. Another big one, we, we all know that this happens, trouble stating our needs and desires. Some of us are afraid of hurting other people's feelings. Some of us are people pleasers, so we'll keep quiet when it comes to stating our needs and desires with perhaps family or friends or at work, even in romantic relationships. Could you imagine not being honest and open, stating your needs and desires in a romantic relationship? That is troublesome. And a lot of people, young people who are told by their parents, want you to be a doctor, want you to be a lawyer, instead of opening up and saying, hey mom, hey dad, uh, that's not where my heart is. I, I wanna be an artist, I wanna be this, I wanna be that, I wanna live my life. But instead of doing that, a lot of young people will just be quiet and they'll, father, uh, they'll follow their mother or father's uh, direction at their own detriment. And in the very beginning, when King and I opened this room, almost two years ago, we had so many young people coming in talking about that and also talking about friends that they had who ended up committing, uh, committing suicide over decisions that they had made to please other people. Not the thing that you wanna be doing. Another one is blaming and shaming ourselves for things that we did in our past. We are no longer the people that we were six months, six years ago. We are standing on the shoulders of, the, of those people. We should be. If we have done the work, if we've done something that hurt somebody, and we recognize it, we've asked for forgiveness, and we've made those, those changes not to repeat the same thing, that there's no sense going back into the past and blaming and shaming the person that you no longer are, because you're not that person. You're better than that. You're a newer and a better, more improved version of that. Don't go back, don't blame yourself or shame yourself. If you've done the work, if you've asked for the forg forgiveness, forgiven yourself, then you are not that person anymore. You got no business going back and blaming and shaming that person. That person doesn't exist anymore. Comparing ourselves to other people is another big one. What must we compare ourselves to? Ourselves, the people that we were that six months or six years ago. That's who we should be comparing ourselves to. Am I better than that person? Can I be better than that person? And I, I, I'm, there's so many more, but I'm just gonna say this. 
putting ourselves down, listening to that little voice that sounds exactly like us, that says, why can't I do anything right? This always happens to me. Uh, or as Glenn said, when he was talking about the butts, the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I have to listen to that person. They told me I can't do it. So uh, they, they said, I'm going to self-destruct and I'm not gonna be able to do it. They've given me the butt that I'm accepting. Um, Another one is I won't make it, so why should I even try? Nobody loves me. I'm not worthy. All these things are meant to keep us back and not meant to propel us forward. So if there's something that we are doing to sabotage ourselves, let's do the work because we have to, we have to challenge those self-limitating thoughts and move beyond them because we're better than those thoughts. Those are my thoughts on it. I'm going to turn the microphone over to my brother, oh, Robert. Oh, and then, oh, yeah, over to Pete first and then Robert. Pete? Well, look, first off, Paul, I love you, you know, and I, it's really interesting because obviously I, I haven't been in this room for quite a while. I, it's not that I've stopped using, you know what, I've had other stuff going on right now. People know some of the challenges that I've been having in my own life with looking after my wife. But, you know, I'm so pleased that you still call this room negotiating your way out of self-sabotage. A lot of people wouldn't do that. They'd think, well, hang on, let's, let's, let's have another title of a room. But when I hear you with everything I know about that subject, I still, I hear it, but I hear it differently from how I've heard it before. And I just want you to know that I really, really take something from what you say that inspires me with, with my relationship with myself, but also in the work that I do. I'm so glad that I've had you on my podcast and other people now know your story because. You're breaking up a bit there, Pete. Pete, we, we, we missed the last uh, 10 seconds. No, you know, that's, that's, that's better. I'm standing right by the, by the router. I was just saying, Paul, that, you know, I know your story, I know quite a bit of your story and guys, if you don't know, Paul's story and the work that he's done in his past, not just his story of growing up, but the work that he did as well. It was such a fascinating story. But the thing that excites me the most, Paul, is what you're going to do. It's not what you've done. It's like what, what and that's the thing I'd love to know. I'm going to ask you that question because I asked Michelle and Tony a question uh, in the last room because I'm a very nosy person. Wh where is this all going for you in, in, in the work that you're doing? What's the, I see you've posted a link to your, to, to your book there. I, where is this all going for you? Where, where do you see, what do you want to see happen as a result of all the work you do in this specific area? Well, Pete, uh, there's, uh, there's a loaded question. I am always moving forward. I have a big project that is, that is coming to life. And I, I, I've chosen not to talk about it, but it's, it's one of the hugest things that I've ever undertaken. And it looks like it's going to... Uh, it's coming to life, not looks like it is coming to life. That is going to be one of my greatest achievements. And I just keep moving forward with different things. I'm also going to New York uh, to uh, to do something uh, with a, a company that has uh, called on me. I'm, again, I'm not going to share that. I, I, I believe that I, I just want to bring this out, but there's good things coming. And I I believe that we can all attract that kind of stuff when we put ourselves out there. I really appreciate the questions, but um, I'm, I'm gonna reserve <laughs> the right to to make this a surprise when it comes out, but they're huge. Both of them are very, very big. So thank you, Pete, really appreciate you. My pleasure, my friend. I'm excited to find out when the time is right 
I'm sure you'll tell us. I certainly will, and uh, it, it will be out there. And I see that Tony has joined us, and I, I welcome Tony. Tony, hello. Welcome to the room. Are you there? What's up, brother? Yes, I am. Listen, this is, you know, that this is a subject that I love. Uh, you know, the, 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 the whole self-negotiating your way out of self-sabotage, because uh, that's what we all do. And we're all expert saboteurs, by the way. Uh, we all are, even when we're when we're, we've mastered that or we think we've mastered that. There's always uh, another level because you always find a way to do something, right? So I do love this this subject uh, because we are our own best friends, our own worst enemies, uh, and really great to hear uh, um, great to hear you today and and Pete Cohen, of course, and everybody else that's in the room. And by the way, when you come in to New York again, just make sure you give me a ring this time. Uh, before you come, not on your way out. I'd like to see you. Uh, I, I've never, I've never met Chuck Norris in person, so I might as well get the Chuck Norris clubhouse. So, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, I uh, look forward to, to connecting with you at some point when you come into town. I look forward to hearing what the the great big things that you're working on, uh, and I'll share with you some of the ones that I'm working on as well. So, uh, good to be here. Always good to listen to you, and uh, and again, this room is powerful because. There's so many people out in the world that, you know, you can get to. And, and sometimes people have to hear the same thing over and over again. But it is true that we are our own worst enemy or, or our own best friend. And we need to be the latter. Right. And uh, and get yourself out of it. And it's the words that you use and the people that you spend time with and, and everything else. So I'm not really going to get into it. I just got in. So I'm not sure what um, where in the vein, so to speak, uh, I stepped in or where I stepped into. So um, just coming in here to support, listen for a little bit while I'm in the car driving to Home Depot uh, because there's always a honeydew list going on at my house. And it's Saturday, so it's honeydew list time. That is among uh, many other things. So great to be here with you. You're in the Matrix. uh, You were in the Matrix there just a bit. But, Tony, thank you for joining us. And, uh, yeah, I love your videos, especially the ones with uh, the bees. Uh, Tony takes care of a lot of beehives, and I, I think that that's just incredible. So thank you. Where we're at, this is a room where we invite people to come up and just uh, share their their stories with us or what their challenges are, and then we're going to open the microphone up. It's, it's popcorn style for our moderators. Uh, we ask that if you're coming up to speak, just uh, try to keep it to two, three minutes, and then my moderators will pop in uh, wherever they feel that they can share something uh, to help support you. So that's the idea of this room. And Robert, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and then we're going to invite our first guest up. Uh, thank you, bro. Um, okay, so uh, those of you who heard Paul's introduction, um, <clears throat> there's a lot that he said in that introduction about what sabotage is, what self-sabotage is, how we... The messages we tell ourselves, the messages we receive when we're growing up. Uh, he talked about how sometimes we make uh, commitments to lose weight and 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 we don't follow through, um, and how we so often are influenced by uh, negative narratives uh, that other people tell us. Well, one of the um, quite a, quite outside this room and and quite outside um, the um, the whole principle of, of negotiating your way out of self-sabotage. One of my interests uh, is uh, physical fitness. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting on in years like many of us, you know, uh, let's just say that I'm uh, north of 60. Uh, and um, 
you know, clearly as as we age, you know, um, science tells us, medical science tells us that we start to slow down. Uh, we develop sarcopenia, which is uh, the loss of muscle. Uh, we uh, basically our health, our cardiovascular health and, 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 and all the rest of it starts to suffer. And of course, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, one of my, I put it in quotation marks, gurus, uh, one of the uh, doctors that I follow quite closely because I think she's got such a powerful message is Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Uh, she actually has a, a, a clinical practice in New York City, and her uh, she has she, her credentials. If if, if you actually uh, go to my website, um, my I'm sorry, my, my Facebook page, and uh, hit the uh, link to her website, her background, her her credentials are impeccable. She has not only is she a, a clinical doctor, but she has two fellowships and she's been training for 17 years, including in psychiatry and geriatrics. So she is eminently qualified and she has developed what's called um, a muscle-centric health and muscle-centric medicine. Mm -hmm. So I follow her for those reasons. I, I, I really do believe that sarcopenia is a real thing, that as we get older, we weaken, we lose muscle mass. That contributes to you know, cardiovascular d d disease and, and, and diabetes, uh, the loss of strength and so forth. So anyhow, I, I was listening to an interview that she was giving the other day. And part of that interview, she mentioned something that was just so powerful and that is so resonant with what Paul just said about self-sabotage, is that we end up having to negotiate our way out of, out of self-sabotage because we ended up in sabotage in the first place. And Glenn is always very, very strong of saying over and over again that it's, you know, ideally we just never get there in the first place. So Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, in this interview, she talked about a, a kind of a ritual that she has with her two children every day. She has a daughter who's three years old. She has an infant, she has an infant son. And every day she says the following to them. She says to them, you are strong. You are kind. You are worthy. You are courageous. You are loved. She says that to them every day, to the point now where her three-year-old daughter says back, I am strong. I am kind. I am worthy. I am courageous. I am loved. Now, can you imagine growing up in a home with such powerful affirmations every day? Um, these, are, these are lucky kids. These, these are lucky kids. But this is also a parent, a, a, a doctor who's, by the way, who's married to an ex-Navy SEAL, you know, not a pushover by any means, an ex-Navy SEAL. And she says, you know, she says, people might think we coddle our kids, but we don't. She says, my husband, you know, an ex-Navy SEAL, we believe in, in raising them, you know, strictly but lovingly. Um, we raise them um, in that way to be strong and to believe in themselves. And so if... Um, if anyone is interested, I would strongly recommend that, that you follow Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, or at least look her up on YouTube, look her up her Facebook page uh, uh, and her website. And But most importantly, um, that message of just <sighs> ensuring that our children value who they are, because Paul talked about the importance of valuing who we are, the importance of feeling worthy. And I can't imagine anyone, any child being brought up in a loving home like that, that has sure, that has boundaries, but that is sort of filled with love and filled with affirmation, following into that trap of self-sabotage. And so, bro, with that, sorry, I went on a bit longer than I typically do, but uh, with that, I will turn it back over to you.
No, it's all, no, it's all, it's all good, it's information. All good information. And uh, thank you for that, bro. And very, very true. I, I think it's so important that parents uh, teach their children these, these wonderful affirmations, but also that we exercise them as well, that we do it every morning. That we start our mornings off deliberately by being grateful and by using affirmations, I am. I am, I am worthy, I am great, I am going to have a great day, all those kind of things. But on that note, I'm gonna turn it over to Michelle for a room reset, and then we're gonna go over to Tay So thank you, everyone, and uh, this is gonna be a great conversation. Over to you, Michelle. Hey, thanks, Paul. Welcome, everyone. So excited to see so many new faces in the room, as well as uh, so many familiar faces. I'm doing the reset so that you guys just get a feel for what we're up to in here. And if you already know, hopefully it'll just make you feel like you're in the right place. But this is the Take Control of Your Life Club. And if you haven't joined it, please, please click on the greenhouse that's right above, I guess, between King and Robert's head. And um, make sure that you do that so you get notified when we open every Saturday from 12 until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sometimes we go into the ish, but we try and keep it tight. And if you've already joined the club, click on it again. And if you wouldn't mind inviting some friends to the club, because then they'll end up getting notified also. And I, I think it's more fun when you're with people that you resonate with. So definitely do that. And also, if you wouldn't mind writing something on the clubhouse streets, on the walls of clubhouse, just by clicking, if you're on an iPhone, it's the square with the little arrow. And I can't remember what it is on the non-iPhones, but uh, with the square with the arrow, there's a great little hand that's waving where it says share on Clubhouse. And when you do that, you make us more relevant in the hallway so more people can see us and more people can come in. So we appreciate any of that that you'll do. Please feel free to continue writing in the chat. We are loving um, the questions that are coming in the chat and just the support and the love and the and the and the uh, really interesting wisdom that's already there. So we love inter interacting and engaging with that. So definitely we see you. Um, please just know, no um, self-advertising in this room. It's a really safe space. And we just wanna keep it not about selling our wares, but about, you know, really increasing, um, you know, the amount of support and uh, the blessings that abound here in Clubhouse when you have a global community like this. So uh, this room was started by Paul Nadeau and by King, uh, uh, gosh, I guess when Clubhouse first opened, right guys? And um, they've been regulars here every, every Saturday. And I came in pretty much as soon as uh, I jumped into Clubhouse. And that was, I think that was in February uh, of, was it last year or the year before? Who knows? Anyway, I've been consistent in here because of the caliber of content, because of the compassion, because of the insights, because of the mods that come in here, because I learn from them, and because we've just had stages full of people who are willing to risk, sometimes for the first time, coming up and sharing. So if you haven't shared in this room, consider doing it because it's a wonderful space. Uh, and I'll, I'll have to tell you that most of the people who shared for the first time in this room they're still coming back. So, okay, that's it. Mike, back to you, Paul. Thank you so much, Michelle. Beautiful reset and thank you. Okay, so we're going to welcome our very first guest, which is Tay Z. Tay Z is always such a hey. pleasure to see you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I, I encourage, just like Michelle said, consistent, I mean, um, to consider sharing 
It's been so helpful to me. I'm so thankful to all of you. So uh, I want to just say the last couple of weekends I was out sailing. We were racing. It's a J24. And uh, it's a young man's boat. <laughs> and I like Robert. Robert, I love this. North of 60. I'm north of 60 as well. Anyway, I um, had an injury on the boat the first day of the weekend last um, weekend where I fell down the hatch and I smashed my back against the edge of the cooler and it was just <sighs> so frustrating and I cracked a couple ribs so uh, immediately this negative voice a severely critical negative internal voice came roaring back and um, I had great fear, distrust. I mean, it was this the state of mind that just um, descended. But I love what you said, Glenn, about having a ramp out of that negative um, self-sabotage space, have a ramp out. And part of my ramp is uh, my dearest friend, Maggie Lee, who's um, with us today, and my cousin Pam, both of whom have, have suffered physical injuries and I got to say, Maggie is one of the bravest people I know, and she consistently is strategically improving, self-improving. And I thought about that self-sabotage word. And um, I think the opposite of that is self-love, where you're really caring for yourself and, and self-love. So given all that, I want to um, just start talking about, um, now that I'm feeling a little better, it's been a week, I got some anti-inflammatory medication. It's helped a lot with the pain. My God, the pain, I had no idea. So I guess I have greater empathy now for physical injuries, but my God, anyway, uh, I, I wanna talk a little bit more about the, the, the strategies for ramping out or even not getting in, falling into that self-sabotage, really negative, hyper-negative voice. And um, that would, I think, be a really helpful way to go. And Michelle, I just got to say, I loved what you said about dance differently with fear. <laughs> because I'll tell you, as soon as this happened, it was just like, I wanted to go inside, shut my door and never come out again. <laughs> it was really stupid. Anyway, um, so that's it. That's where I am today. And thank you all so much. Oh, I think that's great. Yeah, why don't we talk about some of the things that we can do to uh, prevent self-sabotage from even poking its ugly little head into our into ours. Uh, any thoughts from my moderators? Anybody want to start off with that topic? It's great. What is it that you do? Uh, Robert, over to you. Yeah, I think, I think I'll just start off by just repeating what I said about Dr. Gabriel Lyon, especially the importance of uh, inoculating our kids. I think, you know, um, many of us or most of us uh, perhaps here on, on Clubhouse uh, in, in, in this particular room are parents. And so to the extent that we can actually <laughs> begin when they're very, very young, affirming them and, and, and for, their, for who they are and helping them believe in themselves, something like Dr. Gabrielle Lyon does, I think that's a good way to start inoculating them against these messages down the road. Just thought I'd add that. I think you're right. That's a great one. Uh, anybody else? All right. I'll, I'll just add one thing, Paul. Sure. Um, if anybody doesn't know what J24 is, uh, that is a fast boat uh, and the young man's game. It is because 
uh, it, it is a lot of physical activity. A lot of people don't realize that sailing is, is really called a sport for, for a reason. And um, it is a, a mental game and it's a physical game and it's a team game. And there's nothing um, doing something that you enjoy and you're passionate about and you're in the flow and then suddenly you're hurt, especially when you're on a boat. Um, because in sometimes it can feel like it's life or death. And so, um, you know, I just want, I have deep compassion for you. And uh, I'm not surprised that, you know, you felt fear because you're out in the elements. You're not exactly near a hospital. And um, it is an abrupt and chilling moment when you feel uncertainty. And I think, you know, for me, when I'm sailing, uh, one of the things I love is being on that edge, right? But, but only when I am, you know, feeling healthy. And so I just want to say to you, Tazy, that, you know, I think exactly what you went through was normal, feeling fear. Um, and then in the after effects, feeling fear of like, oh, no, you know, uh, I'm not, that young person and how am I going to heal? Um, and I think that that's part of our survival strategy is, is to keep us, uh, you know, uh, tethered to reality. So in this particular case, I, I certainly don't have anything negative or, um, you know, any kind of way to say, well, you know, I don't think that something bad happened there. Um, it's just how do you gently leave it behind once you do know that you're quote unquote on safe ground, um, not only just being off the boat, but as your body is healing and to remember that, you know, um, the whole reason that you were out there was because it is something that you're passionate about. Just giving yourself a little bit of permission and a little bit of grace to ease gently back in. So that's my share. And, um, Hey, I honor you and I would have loved to have been on that boat with you. When you're in LA, we're always looking for crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, Dr. Allison, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Hi, Tazy. You know, I was brought up in New York uh, before I moved to LA and we had boats. We had a sailboat. We had a 34 foot double cabin flybridge. We had a 26 foot fiberglass speedboat. Um, so I, I feel your pain. I had to go to Coast Guard classes and junior Coast Guard classes and I was lucky not to take a fall, but my sister did. And it was horrible watching the pain, um, falling down and hitting <laughs> ship is, is terrible. Um, so my heart goes out to you. And, um, I had a similar situation about a month ago. I had like three injuries in a row. And the first thing, uh, that I had to realize was that it's okay to feel pain and it's okay to feel, um, you know, sad and upset and hurt because when you are an active, vibrant person and you cannot participate in those things, there is grief and there is there could, sadness. Uh, and so though it's important to process that and not to hide from it and not to deny it um, and to acknowledge it. But as a mindfulness-based stress reduction facilitator, which was started at Massachusetts General for the most severe um, painful uh, individuals in pain by John Kabat-Zinn, he actually 
this is over 30 years ago, he was working with some of the doctors um, who were just so worried about uh, way before the opioid um, uh, crisis uh, about pain medication. And so John Kabat-Zinn thought, let me, I think it was part of his uh, PhD uh, research was, let's see if we can understand and get people to to reduce pain by embracing it. And they were shocked at the improvement of the individuals. And this is where the mindfulness movement kind of got started again after, you know, it was, you know, completely embraced by the Greeks and the Romans and so many generations, so many cultures throughout the world. But we tend to forget and then refine and re-inhabit these wonderful um, practices and processes. And so sitting with the pain and, and finding out where it is and using um, mindfulness and um, some self-hypnosis to, you know, create that white light around the, the pain and to see if you can either lower the lever of pain or reduce it. I remember one night my uh, doctor had said, you know, if you're in severe pain, call us. It doesn't matter what time. And I remember it was like one in the morning. I'm like, I am not calling this doctor. And I thought I'm going to stick it out. And I just remember being miserable, just horrible. And I was you know, taking, I think, too much Tylenol, too much Advil. And I thought, you know, when is that decision to to do something that you normally wouldn't do? And these are all wonderful questions about one's boundaries, psychological boundaries, medical boundaries. Um, but I think it's really important for us to realize that in the healing is a process, whether it's healing from a setback at school, in a relationship, in a physical ailment, the process is so important, allowing the cells to knit together, to come together, you know, um, the white blood cells, allowing them to do their work, to, you know, mechanize and, and start healing those areas. And that's where inflammation comes in, bringing all those wonderful nutrients to the area. Um, it's so important to allow. And some of us, we don't want to allow and process, we want to get over it. And in that, and we talk about this in this room all the time, the Viktor Frankl um, uh, quote about the pause, that's where growth and enlightenment and freedom come in, is in that pause. But sometimes the pause is so difficult because there's either existential pain, emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain. But that is part of that journey and that process. So even though it's miserable being in pain, I was really grateful to see what my body could tolerate. And I was really proud of my ability to ride the waves of throbbing and misery and then how grateful to come out of it. Um, so, I mean, there was, a, there was about four weeks where I was just miserable and how beautiful to to come out of it. But when, even when I was in it, I thought, I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about what, what my strengths are, what I am able to tolerate, my resilience. So I think we can find beauty in our fear, in our pain. And I do want to mention something about um, working with children. I work with a lot of... Um, people who came from beautiful, supportive, lovely households that are incarcerated, that are in big trouble. And their parents did 
everything textbook right, but there was something else contributing factors and whether it's nature, nurture, genetics, environmental factors, they have ended up in big trouble. So I do want to say to parents, even if you have done everything right and your child has gotten into trouble, please don't blame yourself. It is not, you could do everything right and things can still go wrong. And I work with a lot of parents who just this weekend, that's why I wasn't here last Saturday, parents who are just so upset and, and self-blaming and flagellating because they they provided such a beautiful, nurturing, loving environment. And one child bloomed, one child struggled and is finally getting it together. And one child just spun off the rails. And they are just have been micro processing everything they've done. And it's just, they did everything absolutely they, that they could. But sometimes there are things we can't control about our children. We can do so much but we can't control everything. Um, they are individuals and they are gonna have to live their lives. Um, we can do everything we can to make those the beginnings, the first seven to 15, 25 years, the most supportive, loving, nurturing, but sometimes things happen that we can't control. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Allison. That is so important to share. I'm so happy that you did do that. I know that there are a lot of parents who are likely wondering what they could have done better. And at times I even do it myself. And when I take a look at some of the things, but then I have to remind myself I've done a good job. So thank you for sharing that. And Taisy, what an excellent question that you uh, stimulated this conversation from. And Michelle, that was great ad as well. Do any one of my moderators wanna add anything more on some of the techniques that we could all use to to avoid self-sabotage in the first place. And Tacey, I saw that you um, flashed your mic. Did you want to say something before? No, I was just agreeing with you. Ah, okay. I like that. All right. Um, anyone of my moderators want to add anything more? I know I do. I, I, I talk about this a lot, and I think it's very, very important. Uh, Dr. Allison reminds us of the pause. So very, very important to to pause before we respond to life and not react to life. I think a lot of us are first reactors. And if Glenn were here, I would ask him to share the story. He tells a good story on how we owe it to ourselves to respond to life and not to react to life. Could you imagine having an ambulance team, uh, a first reactor ambulance team? They get to the scene of an accident, there are bodies all over the, the ground and they jump out and they go, oh my goodness, look at all the blood. And I, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? This is the first reactor. Whereas the first responder who gets uh, to the scene, looks at it, assesses it, takes that pause and says, we know what we have to do. And they work in partnership with other people. They work on their own. They know what they need to do. We have to become first responders to our own life. We also have to examine our narratives. One of the best ways I think that we can avoid self-sabotage is to start our days off deliberately. And by that, I mean, get into a morning ritual where when you wake up, be grateful for the moment that you woke up. Hey, I woke up today. What a great day this is going to be. And then take those moments. I see so many, and Tony runs them, Michelle runs them, 
these gratitude rooms, it's so very important to take those moments to be grateful for the things that you have. Don't focus on the things that you don't have. Focus on the things that you do have. This is what really brings our, our hearts to, to appreciate what we have. We may have this great health. We may have a roof over our heads. We may have food. We may have love. We may have children. We may have someone that we really care about. Let's take a few minutes to say thank you, to be grateful for those, those wonderful gifts that life has given us. The next thing is what Robert spoke about earlier and what I added a little bit more to is those mantras that you tell yourself, the I am statements, look at yourself in the mirror. I am amazing. I am fantastic. Tell yourself how your day is going to unfold. Today, I'm going to have an amazing day. Today, nobody's going to get in my way. Today, I am going into my closet of love and spirit, and I'm going to become the person that I want to be. And Tony, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm just clapping, bro, because uh, honestly, what I was going to add is exactly what you're adding. The best way to to talk ourselves out of self-sabotage is the same way we talk ourselves into it or the opposite. But it's really the same thing. It's the words that we use, right? Because the words that we use matter. You know, the, the, you know I often say that uh, the, 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 the worst limerick we've ever heard is kids. I mean, first of all, if you look back at some of the limericks that, that you know, you say everything from Ring Around the Rosie to they're all kind of like morbid and kind of not really kid friendly or correct. And the most incorrect one of all was this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, ain't that a crock of crap, right? Because words can hurt you. And here's the thing, the, the, the sticks and stones may break your bones. And then you know what happens in two, four, five, six weeks, those bones are healed and you're back to normal. You're strong. But those words, man, those words cut deep. They cut deep down to the soul level to the point that there's some people that never recover from the wounds of the words that were hurled at them, um, whether they were hurled at them out of for, for the right reason, the wrong reason. Oftentimes, the ones that we suffer with the most are the ones that that we were really helpless to do anything about or we were kind of the victim, uh, so to speak. Those 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 fallacies, those those negative things that people say just out of spite and to be mean and to and, and, and to hurt you. You know, and we've all in life and business that keeps happening, by the way, with the haters and everything else. And we've got to remember that there's always going to be critics and some people, the only taste of success they'll ever have is to take a bite out of you. So you've got to remember that. That means the words that they're going to use to hurt you and everything else. Yet going back to the words we were talking about or the words that we heard as kids are the ones that damage us the most. And some people go to their grave, you know, angry, upset, frustrated, scared, playing small. Uh, not living their best life because they were all told how they couldn't do it. They're too stupid. They're too dumb. They're too ugly, too tall, too, whatever those words are. So the words hurt, right? And so words matter. Words can heal and words can hurt. You know, wars are won and fought, uh, fought and won and lost over words, over offense that people take. So words are really powerful. Words are more, much more important than people realize. And the words you use for other people are super important. So you got to make sure you taste your words before you spit them out. You know, is it kind? Is it necessary? Would I want to hear these words? Is it true? Right? Those are just a couple of measurements that you need to take when you're using those words on other people. But the most important words of all, the most important conversation you will ever have in your life 
are the words you use when you speak to yourself. And we all speak to ourselves. You know, um, people say, why are you talking to yourself? And I say, well, because I need an expert opinion. <laughs> right. But all kidding aside, we all speak to ourselves, whether we verbally speak and say the words out loud. And if we don't, we're definitely rattling off things constantly in our minds. Right. Our minds are never quiet. If we're quiet, we're saying something. Unless you're a really good meditator, which I'm still working on. I don't I haven't reached the, the level of good yet or even proficient. I'm still working on that uh, to quiet your mind. And why do you want to quiet your mind? So you can shut that inner voice up. And sometimes you just got to tell that negative committee that meets you in your head to shut up and sit down because they meet every freaking day. And you got to you got to have the other meeting to counteract and 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 and, and, and do the work of. Of, of turning that negative into a positive. Now, all that to say that words matter and the words that you say to yourself matter most of all. And we are our own best friend, our own worst enemy, like I said. So the words we use to empower other people, knock other people down, we use those ourselves. And nobody knows you like you know you. you nobody can hurt you like you can hurt you. Because you know what really scares you. You know how you really feel. So nobody can hurt you like you hurt you. And nobody can help you and heal you like you can help and heal you. So start paying attention to the words that you use. Because the words that you use to on yourself matter most. And those words can either empower you, disempower you. They can hurt that inner child. They can empower that inner child, that inner warrior. Or they can hurt that inner warrior. They can weaken you. And force you to play small. They're going to hurt that king, that queen that lives inside of all of us. The magician. Those words are, are that dirt, that crap that keep you from shining. That dirt that keeps you from, from shining. I guess I'll just say that again because I think that sounded about right. So start changing the words that we use. you use on yourself. Be kinder to yourself. Show yourself some grace. Be grateful not just for what you have and for the people in your life and what they've done. Be grateful for you. Be grateful for the man, the woman in the mirror. Be grateful for the life that you live. Be grateful for your eyes, your hands, your mind, your brain, your heart, your soul. Be grateful for all of it. Because you can build yourself up instead of knocking yourself down. And the best thing I can leave all of you with, and just to remember that, and by the way, this is an exercise that you can do each and every day in your house, in your car. We all have a phone. So if you don't have a mirror, you just turn on your camera and reverse it and look at yourself in the mirror and do that, uh, in, that in, the, in the camera and do that mirror work. And the mirror work is speak to yourself the way you want to be spoken to because you can elevate yourself. Speak to your soul. Speak light and love into you. Look at yourself. Say your name and say, Tony, I appreciate you. Tony, I accept you. I forgive you. I'm proud of you. You matter. I love you. Try that. And I promise between that and gratitude, man, your life will change instantly. You're going to a meeting. You feel disempowered. Throw down your, your, your visor. I'm driving. So throw down your visor. Look in the mirror and say, you got this. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. So say those words, and that's how you get yourself out of self-sabotage. Instead of saying all the dumb shit you say to yourself, why are you so stupid? You can't do that. You're not good enough, blah, 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 blah. Use the same technique only to strengthen you, not to weaken you. Because words matter, my friends. So then remember that the words you use become the house you live in. Appreciate you. Thank you for letting me share. I know I rattled off a little too long. Hope that served. Tony, that was so helpful. Thank you so much. No, that's a, that was a... 
great turnaround. I I um I applaud you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Oh yes, Tony. That that was a masterclass, my friend, and thank you so much. There's so much that you touched on there, and words do matter. Why is it? I'm throwing this out to the room. Why do we take things so damn personally? People's opinion of you, why do you take it so personally? Everybody's, everybody's got an opinion, just like buttholes. Everybody's got one. Why do we put so much weight into what other people <laughs> think of us? <laughs> right? Right, Daisy? Like, why do we, like, everybody's got a butthole, but they also got an opinion, and their opinion of you should matter nothing to you. What matters to you is what you believe in yourself. And what you said, Tazy, a little bit earlier, I loved, I absolutely loved your addition today when you said the opposite of self-sabotage is self-love. And that's what Tony is talking about and Dr. Allison. The, the, the moments that we just look at ourselves and say, we got this. And Tony, you touched on something. Um, I do a lot of speaking and I, whenever I get a little bit nervous, and I think a lot of us get nervous when we go out in front of uh, stages or whatever it is that we're doing, I remind myself, take a couple of moments, take a couple of deep breaths, and I pull my shoulders back, raise my chin up, and I say those words that Tony said, I've got this, you've got this, Paul. And I'll use my name in the third person, you've got this. If you're walking into a social event and you're a little bit concerned about who you may be meeting, whatever it might be, why not just take a moment before you go in, check in with yourself and just say, shoulders back, head up, you've got this. Walk in and bring energy, positive energy into that room with you because people will, will respond to the energy that you bring. And I think that we need to do this every day. We need to remind ourselves that we've got this. This whole thing called life, we've got this. Let's focus on the things that we can control. Don't worry about the things that we can't. The outcome should not be our concern. What should be our concern is what we can control. And we can control those voices in our head. Who would you become if you released that negative belief of yourself? Because not all thoughts that we have are true. Not all thoughts that we, we entertain are true. Sometimes they are simply remnants of the lies that we were told by bullies or others who have hurt us in the past. Why? Because we took things personally. We allowed them to get through, and that is not doing ourselves a service. What is doing ourselves a service is believing in ourselves and remembering that time is guaranteed to no one. So use your time wisely and speak to yourself wisely, positively. If you had a friend and her name was Betty Boo and she came to you and said, hey, guess what? I've got this date with this, with this guy I met on a social platform or whatever I'm going out tonight and you say oh way to go Betty uh, let me know how it goes and then she comes back and you say to her how did it go and she says well not too well uh, looked like he wasn't impatient or this or that and he didn't ask me for a second date and then you turn around to Betty and say well no wonder you're 15 pounds overweight you're not all that very interesting and you've got a whole bunch of uh, things negative about you and I, yeah I don't blame oh you <laughs> right you wouldn't say that to your friend why do you say it to yourself? It's so true. Why do you? Uh, can, I, can I just um, say something to, um, to Dr. Klufi? Is that what she said about grief is a piece that I missed in there. And it, that was so much a part of what happened for me after I felt was um, there was grief. There was a grief. Um, 
just there were pieces that um, in the future I'll acknowledge and uh, walk, go through and then get to the other side of it because I really am a firm believer that if you do that with grief, if you do address it head on, um, really become cognizant of, of what's going on and feel it and then move past it, that it always turns out better. So um, thank you all so much. And Paul, I hope I didn't interrupt you, but I just no, wanted no, to sure I you, got you didn't. I want, I want to go right over to Dr. Uh, Dr. Norman uh, to, to um, yeah, turn the microphone over to Dr. Norman. Thank you, Paul. Um, and Tony, welcome. It's great to hear you uh, speak so beautifully today. Uh, Paul, the reason I jumped in is because I wanted to say, yes, I, everything you're saying is incredibly inspiring and, and not untrue. But from a, from a psychoanalytic perspective, which is where I spend my, 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 my most of my worldview, it's important that we also understand that while there's a positive self-loving energy, we all struggle with the, the presence of a shadow energy. Carl Jung you know, would refer to that as the collective unconscious. Freud would refer to it as the ego itself. Um, and when we when we recognize that there's a shadow energy inside of us, it's the part of us that, that is, it's not as if we're saying, I'm not worthy. The energy is saying, you're not worthy. And we have to find a way to first recognize that negativity inside of us. Why do we take these things so personally? Because the statements resound deeply into, inside of a place we cannot touch that is deeply embedded from a time when we may have been hurt or traumatized or just very impressionable and believe things that were simply not true and no longer serve us. And so it's important that we recognize everything you're saying, but also appreciate when it when we're not, it's not so easy to walk into that boardroom and say, you got this. One of the reasons is because there are voices deep inside that are saying, you don't got this. And while it's not true, it still makes some kind of unconscious energy inside of us. And it requires attention. Remember, you can't kick something out of your house unless you know it's first been in there. And so search inward, embrace the thing that is hurting and show at the door. Then you can look in the mirror and you can say, I got this. And you can and you will and I do, but not without first doing some of the necessary work of recognizing the shadow energy that exists inside of us. Thanks. That was uh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Norman. It's so true. And I, I think post-traumatic stress has a lot to do with that as well. Um, some of the things that we relive are our memories of exactly what you were talking about. So thank you for that, Dr. Norman. Tony, did you want to add something? I saw you on mute. Actually, I was just typing it in the chat, but it's easier for me to speak. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I wanted to add that I, that I forgot to say is, you know, you should speak to yourself the way you would speak to a child, to your child. And better yet, a friend of mine, which a couple of us know, uh, Roth Thomas, actually said to me, speak to yourself the way you would speak to your dog, because some people speak to their dogs in a softer, kinder, nicer way than they speak to themselves. Uh, just to wrap up the whole uh, uh, speaking kindly to yourself thing. So just want to add to that. And uh, again, great to be here with you. Great to hear you, Dr. Norman. It's been a little while. And uh, again, just great to be here with all of you. Good to have you here, Tony, and I'm going to add you to the list. If you'd like to return, you are always welcome. So thank you so much, and you bring value, and I appreciate you. Tay we're going to move on to uh, other guests, and there's a couple of questions that were asked in the back channel. 
that we're going to address as well. Uh, Lori, um, I'm going to come to you in, in uh, PTR order, and uh, I'm just going to um, ask my moderators if there's anything else that you'd like to add before we actually, we need a reset, King. What do you think? Could you reset the room? Are you there, King, to reset the room? And maybe King is busy typing something else around there. So, um, Dr. Allison, how, oh, wait a minute, Michelle. Uh, uh, which one? No, Dr. Allison, would you like to re reset the room? I don't think I'll be able to do that. I'm certainly not as proficient as <laughs> King. Um, I'll give it a try, but if I may, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. I mean, yeah, just give it a shot because it's just uh, it's fun. Let's do it. All right. So uh, welcome to uh, Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage. We meet every Saturday from 9 to 11 uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, which would be 11 to 1, I believe, Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you're in another country, I'm sorry, I'm not fluent with um, Greenwich Mean Time translations, but um, we're so glad that you're here joining us. Um, if you want to share, we ask you to raise your hand and you will be brought up if we have time uh, to bring you on stage. Uh, people on stage are... Um, here to listen, uh, to provide feedback, not to give you any mental health or medical advice. We're here to support, nurture, and love you. Um, and we welcome shares that people come back week after week, like Taisy and Murray and so many of our, uh, our family, because we get to see their progress. We get to celebrate their their wins and their their strengths, but we also get to support them when they're going through, uh, you know, a setback. And so um, we'll welcome you here all the time. Um, I, I don't know what else to say, Paul. How's that? I say that was beautifully done. Thank you for that wonderful reset, Dr. Allison. You're a pro at this, so thank you. All right. Um, we're going to go over to Faith. Uh, for our next speaker, and then I'm going to take one of the questions from the back channel and we'll discuss it as a group. Uh, so over to you, Faith. It's Fatih, Paul. Fatih. But it's okay. Many people call me Faith. Uh, thank you for bringing me up and uh, giving me the chance to speak here. Now, I entered into my spiritual practices, I would say, um, it's uh, I was a landscaper in Germany and I decided some voice within me told me you need to change your life somehow. So I went to China and lived in a Taoist monastery for one year in 2006 and studied internal arts, Tai Chi, Qigong meditation and moved later on to Vancouver to study acting at the William B. Davis Center. That's where the healing really kicked in because I was away from my hometown and my, from, my, from my family. I had a chance to actually express my deepest uh, pains. Um, there, some people say you can't heal in the same environment where you got sick. I guess this moving away from my parents gave me a chance to heal. So the deeper I went into it through bone therapy, EMDR, esoteric osteopathy, for over a decade, I, uh, I still was dealing with stuff till I met a shaman from California five years ago. And we did the ancestral lineage clearing and I went really deep into it. And I realized all the stuff that I was dealing is mainly passed down from my ancestral lineage. 
like belief, beliefs, habits, patterns, family dynamics, in some cases addictions, there's family karma, in some cases curses, because words can also curse people, you know, and uh, realizing this, you know, it's like I need to heal on a genetic level. So the deeper I went into it, the more I realized I'm losing friends and family members because we don't resonate anymore. So all that we are doing, I guess, mainly majority is we clearing the stuff that has passed on from our ancestral lineage. And the way I do it, I make conscious choices, you know, eating healthy, having a breathing exercise and uh, enough exercise to really break these patterns and these beliefs and even the topic of this room uh, self-sabotage the self is our biggest enemy within which is called in islam the nafs and in hebrew nafesh i guess i mentioned this to dr norman it was i guess six months ago that uh, the self the naf nafesh is uh, an ongoing internal battle within us but we are stronger, but we need to be become aware of it. Is the self now active and sabotaging us on a subconscious level? Or is that the programming? I guess it's both. But so, we have also something within our heart that is uh, courage, faith and strength, which can overpower everything, you know, and we need to live from our heart. Um, that's all I can say right now. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I apologize for getting your name wrong, no uh, Fatih. Uh, Tony, over to you. Well, I just want to speak on something because, again, words mattering, right? And words making a difference. You said something uh, that, you know, as you grow yourself, as you evolve in this, this, this little journey called life, uh, sometimes you lose people, you lose family members. And I would just kind of give you a different definition of it because a lot of people don't grow beyond a certain level because they're afraid of losing the people in their life right so i'm just going to give you two, two reframes number one if you lose someone um you got to ask yourself did you lose them or did they lose you number one right number one did you lose them or did they lose you and the other thing that you've got to remember if it's family did you really lose them or if they're friends yeah, sometimes we lose friends and sometimes we need to lose them. Yet sometimes we've got to remember that we're like a tree in a way, right? Never mind, I'm not going to go into the analogy that, that Oprah Winfrey did so beautifully of some people are, are, are leaves, some people are twigs, some people are uh, branches, some people are trunks. So, you know, they all, and I'm not going to get into that whole thing. That's a beautiful expression. But I'm really talking about like the center, the rings of a tree, right? So in the center of the tree, the ring, the inner ring is you then the people that are closest to you on your, are on your first, your first ring. That's the people that really you love and love you. It's your kids, your wife, your parents, you know, the, your, your inner ring, right? Your, your inner circle, as they say. And then there's another circle beyond that and another circle beyond that and another circle beyond that. So just think of your life and, and your sphere of influence as, as the rings of a tree the less you resonate with people, they resonate with you, or the more you grow, perhaps they get pushed out to the further ring. So you're not really losing them. They just, you push them out to a further ring. 
right? So they're not that close to the center be, so that they don't have as much influence and potentially negative impact on your life. And you bring the people closer into the center of your ring that are going to have a positive impact that are strong uh, leaders and, and guides and sages in your life. So I just wanted to give you that little tweak because oftentimes people don't grow beyond when they're at out of fear of losing people in their lives. And sometimes there's those people that are trying to keep you down, not because they don't love you, but because they are afraid to lose you. So they're going to sabotage you. They're going to say things to keep you from growing and from really you pushing them out to the outer ring and just have enough respect and courage for yourself to do that. Some people need to be moved. Again, something that's said often is that you remember that you are the CEO of your life. You are the one that's in charge of hiring, firing, promoting, and demoting people and firing people, like I said, accordingly. So just remember that, that there's rings in our life and not everybody needs to be in your inner circle or your inner ring. Well, in the words of uh, what, uh, before you say anything, Fatih, in the words of what Glenn Morshower would say, and are you ready for it? Come on with it. That was great, Tony. Thank Thanks, you. Brother. Come on with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Fatih, over to you. Yes, absolutely, Tony. Thank you so much. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lonely journey, but at least it's authentic for me. As long as I feel peaceful within myself, align myself with my soul purpose and uh, do my healing work and offer also healing as a medical intuitive, I'm doing the right thing, you know. I'm connecting uh, stronger to the uh, to the creator. I call him Allah because I'm a Muslim and I'm spending quite a lot of time with Islamic mysticism and Sufism, also shamanism. And on the in the core of it, we come together no matter which faith or religion. You know, I can give you an example here, very briefly, short. Uh, when Rumi passed away, there were Christians, Jews, uh, Muslims, atheists, they all came together and weeped at his grave because he was speaking a language that was universal. So that is more important than anything else. You know, it's not separation, it's bringing people together, actually. And we need to be our own example first and take the first step in faith and go on the hero's journey. Thank you. Listen, I love it. And by the way, there is only one God. What you choose to call him is none of my business, right? And that if we uh -huh. all in, in our own religions uh, were, would respect that thought much more, because really the, there, there's love, right? Love is the religion, so to speak. And whether you call him Allah, God, uh, Jehovah, uh, whatever uh, other names uh, that you choose to call him, her, it, the energy, the life force, love, um, it's only one. So I, that's how I many, many years ago um, really came about to, to, to just um, what do they call it, to reconcile it all because it's so freaking confusing. Heck, if you think about Catholicism, Christianity, there's like one gajillion sects of it, right? Well, how do you how do you reconcile that, right? The only way to reconcile that is to reconcile all of them and say that there is only one. That's why everybody was at Rumi's. That's why when, you know, uh, uh, the important world leaders, especially spiritual leaders, uh, pass on, if they were really the, uh, a light there is everyone that comes to pay homage and pay respect to them because there is only 
you know, a supreme power, regardless of what you choose to call him. So I just wanted to jump in with that. There was something else. I forgot what it was, but uh, love that. And uh, just, oh, um, again, just because people go out and they go maybe to an outer ring, it doesn't mean at some point they don't come back. And it doesn't mean mean that you don't try to help them heal. Right. Because some people just don't want to heal because they're happy in their misery. They're happy lose living that, that 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 part of their life because it gives them significance. And that. You bet. Um, yeah, you are in the matrix. But yeah, love, love what you said, because it's true. Even though you might push somebody out of the circle, uh, you can always bring them back in and maybe there's work that they need to do. But surrounding ourselves with people who are like minded, we are the company that we keep. So very important. Fatih, thank you so much for this great conversation and for sharing. And I, I really appreciate you. And I hope that you can join us again next week. Robert, did you want to add something to the conversation? Yeah, I do. I want to take a slightly different tack to this. Um, surrounding ourselves with people who are like-minded, uh, it's a double-edged sword, okay? It's, uh, on the one hand, surrounding ourselves with people who are like-minded is affirming, and it helps us reaffirm um, our beliefs, and, and, uh, and that's very important to many. But also, it limits us. I think we have to be willing to surround ourselves with people who don't necessarily believe the way we do, that don't necessarily see the world the way we do, uh, so that we can actually apply the, you know, the skills of critical thinking to try and, and establish, you know, through the competing, all the competing narratives out there, you know, what, what really, what really is the truth here, you know, I'm I, I'm listening to my to my network, you know, to my ring, you know, my I'm listening to them and I feel good when I'm with them, but am I really seeing the whole picture, or am I, or I'm only getting that part of the picture that they would like me to see? Anyhow, I just wanted to say that you know it is a double-edged sword. Uh, I see the value in it, but I also see the the tremendous risk in it. Anyhow, I hand that back to you, Paul. Paul, can I just jump in real quickly? Absolutely. I wasn't going to say anything because I saw you unmute. Um, so Robert has a really good point. Um, so in leadership um, psychology, it's important to have an in-group, but it's also important to have the out-group. The in-group are the people that you can trust to, you know, to, you know, follow your lead, to initiate and bring to light your goal, your mission, your vision but the outgroup are the people who challenge you. And this is important because <clears throat> something called group think. And we saw this during um, the Challenger explosion and these were the O-rings and there were a lot of engineers who were not supportive. They're like, these things burn. I happened to be at NASA at Kennedy um, Space Center to watch some engineers and how they experienced this O-ring failure. And what happened is the people that the decision makers surrounded themselves with were poo-pooing the fact that at certain temperatures, these O-rings would, would uh, melt. And the, some of the engineers were like, no, this is, this is serious stuff. And what happened is they removed them from the, the uh, meetings. And then we know what happened. You know, we had astronauts lose their lives and twice it happened uh, two consecutive times, not for the same issue, but it's always important to have 
the out group as well. And you don't have to keep them as close to your chest as the in group, the people who support and love you. But it is important for critical thinking to have people who question you. Why are you doing this? And and it's not to challenge you or to be um, ornery or to, you know, you know, throw rain on your parade, but it's to question what are the motives here? What is the reasoning, the rationale? Are you doing something because everyone else is doing it and it looks cool, sounds cool, but your heart's not in it and it's not aligned with what you really want in your life and you're going to end up doing something or spending money or spending time on something that really doesn't fill your heart with love and joy and passion um, just because everyone else is doing it? Or is it something that you can tweak and morph into something that really does resonate with your heart and soul. So I think Robert has an excellent point there. Hey, can I just add one thing? I just added it in the chat, but I want to say it out loud in case uh, people aren't watching the chat. And what I put in the chat right along the lines of what you're ju you just shared is that we find comfort among the people who agree with us, but we find growth among those that don't. So Yes, it's important to hang out with like-minded and like-hearted people, but it's also important to hang out and spend time with those that disagree with you because they have a different point of view. And that's kind of what's wrong with, with one of the things that's wrong with society these days. Everybody just hangs out with everybody that agrees with them and make the other side the freaking enemy. And that's not the case. It's communication. Start spending time with people that you don't really agree with. If you're uh, on the conservative right, watch a little CNN. If you're on, 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 the, on, on the, the liberal left, watch a little Fox News and Newsmax. Because, first of all, both of them skew the messages to their own side, uh, unfortunately. So we don't really get the news anywhere. We just get opinion from everyone. But all that to say that it's important to have conversations with people that disagree with you so you can see their point of view, so you can continue to learn and understand why people say, do, and act and react the way they do. And unless you, you're aware and, and familiar with the other side, you'll never know. And you'll keep thinking small. And if you're not, your mind isn't expanding, it's contracting. And before you know, that's why you have these idiots, excuse the expression, on the extreme left. And yes, yes, idiots on the extreme right, because both people on either extreme are idiots, in my opinion. Uh, the majority of us are in the middle. Um, but so just, and I sorry to get into the politics there, but it really is important to spend time and have conversations with people that don't agree with you because my friends that is where you're going to find growth in the resistance it's not in going to the gym and just laying down on the comfortable pad and just staying there and laying down there it's about pushing through the resistance through that weight through that that, that is uncomfortable and it, it's in the discomfort and in the pain that we grow and sometimes it's a pain and discomfort of having the uncomfortable conversations with the people that don't agree with you but that is pivotal that is what this world absolutely needs Sorry for the long run on again. Back to you, Paul. Tony, I want to just uh, I want to I want to say you're 100 percent right, and that is the that is absolutely one of the greatest features of good psychotherapy is that there are times often when a patient will say, "I love my therapist and I love therapy," and I don't want to hear that from my patients. I want them to hear. I want to hear them say, "It's really hard," and I don't like the things sometimes that Fried says, but I have to hear them because resistance creates change. Because disharmony provokes growth. Because discord is the seat of our evolution. Thank you. That was really really helpful.
I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in as as well. Just picking it up. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Allison and Tony. Um, yes, I. <laughs> um, it is is. I'm a student, uh, as as I've said before. My background is in, in the history of philosophy and science, and and. Um, uh, John Stuart Mill is sort of one of my icons, and and uh, he wrote uh, a treatise in the uh, mid 1800s uh, on on liberty, and he talked about the importance of listening to those voices. That he uh, was talking politically. In fact, he was one of the first uh, uh, champions of of women's equal rights uh, back back in the uh, mid 1800s. But uh, on this point, he said, "Listen," he said. Even if the entire culture, society, is of one opinion, and only one other person on the other side has an opposite opinion, that person has as much right to be heard as, as the rest. Because unless you are 100% confident that you are 100% correct, then you might have something to learn from that dissenting voice. And I think that's that's true. And, and we're, you know, um, Tony, you mentioned about listening. I think it was you mentioned list, about listening to CNN on the one side and Fox on the other side. Well, I know that during the, um, uh, the um, uh, mandate disputes about COVID-19 vaccines, as well as the trucker convoy up here in Ottawa, Canada, my hometown, um, you know, uh, listening to the news, it wasn't, you didn't know which way to go on, on that. And yet I would, uh, I would consistently uh, listen to both. I'd, I'd listen to CNN, I would listen to Fox, I'd go back and forth. I then listen to CBC, which uh, uh, I find, you know, somewhat questionable, but nevertheless, I would listen to all of them because I wanted to hear the perspectives from all sides. Uh, my series on critical thinking, as I mentioned earlier, I have 40 installments of that. The basic premise of that entire series on my Facebook page is called Critical Thinking, um, uh, Reason and Reality, um, is that we should always, we must always be questioning our assumptions, always questioning our assumptions. You know, if we don't question our assumptions, as Paul said at the beginning, Socrates said, the unexamined and life is, is not worth living. It's absolutely true. We, if we don't question our assumptions, we don't grow. And it's by testing those assumptions, questioning them, uh, questioning other people's assumptions, asking them, you know, what the source of their um, information is, what the source of their belief is. Uh, that's how we all collectively can grow. And it's not a question of, well, I'm right and you're wrong, because frankly, who knows? <laughs> At the end of the day, who knows? Ultimately, I think the ancient skeptics had a good point. We can never really be sure, you know, uh, whether we have in fact achieved uh, ultimate knowledge, but we can continue to grow. Uh, or as Aristotle said, we can actualize our potential. So Tony, thank you for that um, stimulating conversation and Alice, uh, Dr. Allison for your contribution as well. Thank you all. And Fatih, what a great conversation you sparked. <laughs> I'm just going to tuck you back into the audience uh, unless there's something else that you'd like to add. And uh, I hope that you can join us next week. Thank you for being here. All right. Okay, so um, we're going to go right over to Lori. And then we're going to handle two questions that came from the chat in the back. And uh, we will then end up the room. Uh, the first one, uh, the question that we're going to after Lori, is um, how, how, how to stop fearing the risks of what we want to become. And that was uh, the way it was worded. How, to, how do we handle uh, the fear of taking a risks uh, risks in what we want to become. And the second one is, how do you realize um, your returns on a risk? All right. And, oh, there was one more. 
Uh, how do we heal from self-sabotage as adults? So those are the two questions we're, we're going to be dealing with. Um, Lori, thank you for your patience. I am so uh, grateful that you're still here. Over to you. Thank you. My pleasure. So nice to meet everyone. Some of you, you know, we're familiar with each other. Um, so I'm a musician, creative artist, person, singer, songwriter. And, you know, I realized that at some point, you know, many years back, doing a lot of music, okay, and it was t it was a, a challenge because you know there were a lot of challenges coming up and, and you know you're dealing with different musicians personalities families and you, you just got to keep it together for everybody you know as the, as the you know leader of the band it, as well anyway um so i realized you know after some struggles and i did it as you know went as long as i could i was i realized that i i was staying in a situation that wasn't so healthy for me uh, you know, when you're younger, you, you make some silly decisions, <laughs> just naive, perhaps, or, you know, whatever, different reasons. Okay. And so I had to retreat uh, from things I, I didn't want to because I felt that, you know, I was responsible for everybody and, um, you know, just thought, okay, let me just stick with this, keep it going, this and that. And then it all just kind of blew up and, oh my God, I had to get out. And so I realized that sabotage was going on self-sabotage sabotage from others and i it dawned on me and i realized that then i retreated i i got the courage to get out of the situation and then i realized that you know here i am thinking i'm taking a retreat i'm resting i've got to restore i gotta just get a grip you know and um i realized that i became frozen kind of in my fear. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to get hurt. And so I stayed in that position thinking I was safe, thinking, okay, you know, everything's going to be cool. It'll all be okay. And, you know, uh, everything is okay. But, you know, love was the thing that, you know, always pulls you out or, or sustains us. And so, you know, just to address some, you know, some of the things that, you know, the fear, how do you get through the fear? You just got to, I mean, my, I've shaken, that people know here, I, I have been, you know, just, you just have to get through it. You just have to go through it. And, um, and so, you know, I just wanted to make the point that, you know, frozen's not good. <laughs> Staying in that place is, is not safe and it's not protecting yourself. Um, and so of course I had to, you know, you know, grow through that. And I have, and one more little thing, uh, not little though, is that, I'm grateful for the Get Up and Grow clubs. You know, every morning I start my day with Tony and Michelle and everyone, and it's 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 definitely been very positive for me. And one time they asked the question, uh, "What do you need to forget so that you can remember what something?" And, and so I realized that I need to forget who I'm not and remember who I am, because you know, again, love is the most important thing. Uh, and so. Uh, I made that, I let that happen and, you know, just moved forward from there. So if anyone's struggling with this type of thing, I hope that this, this story helps you to move forward and, and to trust, you know, trust God, trust your intuition, trust, trust your gifts and talents. So, okay, that's it. <laughs> thank you. I'm Lori. Well, Lori, thank you very much for that, for that share. It's so very true. When you find yourself going through hell, what was it that, uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, when you find yourself going through hell, keep going, keep going, don't stop. Yeah, fearing, when we become immobilized and we remain in that pain, 
it's not going to help us to get out. Any one of my moderators want to add something? I, I love the, the addition because it's so true. When we, when we find ourselves going through difficult times, we just can't stop and give up. Uh, this reminds me a little bit uh, of a story, personal story, and I'm only going to take 20 seconds to tell it. My youngest daughter, Cassie, when she was just a little girl, her legs weren't, uh, of course, very long. And we would go out for walks in our neighborhood, and I, I, we would go out for walks in the wintertime. And it was really cold. And we would walk and I could see the house it was only a short distance away. And my little, my little darling Cassie would stop and then she would sit on a rock or something and the snow was all around, the cold is there and she would just stop. And her older sister and I would be walking ahead of her. I'd turn around and say, hey Cass, uh, why aren't you coming? She says, oh, I, I can't, I'm done. Uh, I just wanna stay here. And uh, of course, as, as a parent, you, you go and you, you explain why it's not a good idea to stay put on this rock in the cold in winter uh, when you can freeze to death. Uh, but the same is true with us when we're going through something difficult. We can't just stay. And in the case where I was there to help my daughter, I could help her by putting her on my back and giving her a lift. And I think that other people can do that for us too when we find ourselves stuck. We can always turn around to somebody else and say, hey, I can't do this alone. <laughs> you wanna throw me on your back and carry me for a bit? Michelle, did you wanna add something to this? Yeah, you know, I just, I just wanted to add, it seems counterintuitive at the time when you're in, at least this is my worldview on it, it's not the truth. Um, it's just my perspective thus far. Is that sometimes when you're in those places where, um, where, you know, I am or you are feeling vulnerable, very, you know, in a way, uh, fragile, there is a tendency sometimes to just want to stay tight, you know, want to contract, uh, in a way, defend yourself against the world by simply avoiding, uh, or just a simple turn away. And I think the most important thing that I learned is that when I have that experience, that I must actually take a step in the opposite direction. And even though every cell in my body uh, or every thought in my mind is telling me to just lay on the couch and watch Netflix, the opportunity is to get up and do some small thing, uh, some small, I don't know, I don't want to call it a, a ritual. Uh, to remind myself to move forward and that actions sometimes really help dispel um, illusion as long as you know they're simple ones i'm not saying you have to go do something gigantic or something impetuous but for myself uh in those moments where i was in places like you Lori, it's always okay i'm going to do the opposite of that because i've learned through time and through seeing the effects of it, because not only did it affect myself, um, but it would infect my children. It infected my um, my work, my the people who were professionals with me, the people who came into contact with me every day. Um, so, you know, because we're not really ever alone. And I think it's so important, like Paul said, if you can't find the energy or the courage in that moment to make that small step to reach out, to someone else who can be that stand for you, 
uh, because I think in those moments, a lot of times people may experience a sense of isolation or loneliness, and it's so comfortable that you don't remember really who you truly are. And um, there's so much available through a small action or through a shift in our being. It's just sometimes we can't come to grips with that on our own. So, Lori, I'm glad you shared that, and I wanted to share my perspective. I'm interested to hear if either of the doctors have anything on this, because I think it's a, a really important thing to talk about. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, anyone else want to add something? Okay, maybe not. That's all right. Okay, Lori, thank you. That was a great share, and I, I appreciate you. So I hope that you can join us next week as well. I'm just going to move you back into the audience, and uh, thank you. What a great conversation this has been all day. We've got some time left, and I want to address the questions that were asked in the back channel. So I'm going to ask King if he could read out the questions, and this is open to any one of my moderators. Just pop in, popcorn style. Let's Let's see if we can we can address these questions because a lot of people have them on their minds. So over to you, King. Thanks, Paul. Um, hi. Um, so he, the first question, let's go with, uh, how can you heal or prevent self-sabotage in adults? So how can you heal or prevent self-sabotage in adults? Okay. And uh, who would like to start on that one? I will. <laughs> All right. So how can you heal from self-sabotage? Well, self-sabotage is something that happens in the moment. Um, how can we heal from things that have hurt us in the past? It's a, it's a totally different question, I would think. But a lot of it is just being aware. Uh, number one, if, if we're sabotaging ourselves and we're not aware of it, how, how could that happen? It can If we're feeling uncomfortable, if we're not checking in with our narrative, then we are less likely to be able to deal with it. We carry around a toolbox. This is the way I look at it is that if you, no matter what kind of work you, you do, I used to be a cop, so I had my tools with me. And whatever the job was, I needed to reach in and grab the right tool in which to do it. So I think the same is true when we are dealing with our thoughts. What is it that I must do to get my thought pattern back to something positive? Uh, Michelle was talking about different things like, uh, do I need to turn on some music? Do I need to go out and take a walk? What tool best suits this? Do I need to call a friend? Uh, when we look back at our past, that's another thing too. It's important to examine our past, uh, but I, I don't think it's important or that it's, it's mm, smart to stay in our pasts. I think we, we have to move forward on a lot of the things to deal with what happened uh, to us, but also to move forward and to learn from it and to become stronger. Um, anyone else from the uh, from the team here? So those would be my thoughts, King. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to uh, emphasize what you just said. I think for me, it's I, I feel like I know like if I'm sort of self-sabotaging about whatever things I've done, I mean, it's because I'm still dwelling on them or I'm beating myself up over something, you know, where I'm like, I wish I would have done that. But hindsight is always twenty twenty, And I find it's helpful for me to look back at it and say, okay, you know what? I can't change the past, but what did I learn from that situation? And what can I do better next time? And I feel like that e makes it a little bit easier for me to let it go. And also, once again, to just stop beating myself up over, you know, 
whatever it is that uh, I'm sort of dwelling on. So I just want to uh, reemphasize what you're saying. Just, you know, look for something to, to learn from it and then just, you know, do your best to uh, sort of move on from that. Yeah, thanks, King. Uh, Robert? Sure, thank you. Um, I think you put your finger on it is we're not always conscious when we are self-sabotaging. In fact, more often than not, it's unconscious. We don't really, we don't recognize that in fact, we are in the midst of some kind of a self-sabotage. And so I think part of it always is, I believe, to um, going back to uh, Tony's uh, metaphor of the tree and the circles and the closer the circles are to you, um, your friends, your, your, your family, those, those you love and trust. These are the people that, you know, if, if that relationship is strong enough, these are the people that can be brutally but lovingly honest with us about who we are, what we're struggling with, how we come across. And I think cultivating those very close and meaningful relationships, you know, Aristotle, again, I, I, I hate to go back, but the wisdom from the ancient Greeks and, and other philosophers is just uh, so much of, of, of what has made me who I am. But Aristotle, uh, in his book, The Nicomachean Ethics, he described what friendship is, what true friendship is. And he describes three categories of friends. And I'm not going to get into a, a long narrative, but I think a short summary would be excellent. Three basically uh, groups. He says there were friendships of utility, there were friendships of pleasure, and there were friendships of virtue. And the friendships of utility are, hey, you do this for me, I do, and a lot of this is unconscious, but uh, you know, when you look at Facebook and you see somebody has 10,000 friends or even 500 friends, are they really friends, you know? But that said, you know, friendships of utility are basically very utilitarian and functional, is that if you do this for me, I do this for you, and we kind of uh, just have this unspoken uh, relationship, but it doesn't get any deeper than that. Then you have friendships of pleasure, well, you know what? I might like golf. You might like golf. I might like yoga. You might like yoga. You know, uh, we both might like uh, to go out and, and watch a ball game on Saturday night or, or, or whatever. Well, those are friendships of pleasure, even friends with benefits. We, you know, sometimes, you know, but they don't penetrate any further than, than that superficial pleasurable activity. And they come to an end very quickly. Then there are the friendships of virtue. These are the friendships of goodness. These are the friendships of connectedness. These are the friendships where we really do connect at that deep, deep level with someone. And, it's, and, and Aristotle was fond of saying that in your lifetime, you might have only three or four of those relationships. Well, today, given how interconnected we are through internet and everything else, we may have a few more than that. But you know, you won't have 100 or 200 or 300 of these kinds of friends. You'll have a small handful of these friends. These are the ones I think we, we should be able to turn to and, and when we're struggling with something and just be able to count on them really telling us how it is, you know, and, and giving us that kind of positive feedback and affirmation and even critical feedback and affirmation because that's what we need. And it's in that process that we may come, we may realize, oh my goodness, this is self-sabotage. And now I know how to get out of it. Anyhow, sorry, I went on longer than I, than I expected. Paul, back to you. Oh, heck no, bro. Uh, no apology necessary. That was beautiful. I loved every everything that you said. Michelle, did you want to add something? No, I just was writing in the chat. That was a masterclass. I, I absolutely loved sitting back and listening to Robert because I could resonate and I could be curious and look in my life as he went through each grouping and think about, you know, is it true? Is it really, really true for me in my own perspective? 
and and how have so many people actually played such a large part in the significance of myself and being able to see myself because I do believe in in these relationships we're mirrors for each other and I know it's oversaid but it really isn't trite it's just absolutely exquisitely painfully <laughs> um you know what so and in in these relationships are available the most growth sometimes from someone's just being able to see you, hear you, love you, sometimes from them challenging you, as they said. And we get challenged in a ton of different categories even, and we see different parts of ourselves through them, in them. Or we see parts of ourselves manifest we didn't know were lurking. Um, and so, I don't know, I just wanted to say thank you, Robert. It was just really, uh, really, I'm just very thankful for what you said. We all are. That was beautiful, bro. And thank you, Michelle. Anyone else want to add to the conversation and uh, the question that was asked? Okay, we'll move on to the next question then, King. Uh, are you in a position to read that one up? Uh, sure. Just let me track it down. Uh, that one's a little bit. Ah, so how do we stop fearing the risks of what you want to become? How do you realize the returns considering the risks? Okay. And I, I would imagine this one is something to do with maybe the imposter syndrome. I'm, I'm kind of trying to label that. Uh, people are afraid of moving forward because of the risks. Would that be uh, the general uh, gist of it? I think it is. That would be uh, my guess. How do we, yeah. How do we stop fearing the risks of what we want to become? Uh, Dr. Ellison. So one of the tools that I like to use is calculated risks. So, you know, sometimes I have uh, individuals who come to me after many years of flailing around and say, you know, I want to go to grad school or I want to change careers. And I think, okay, so you want to change everything. So what would be the calculated risk? Because I do columns of your physical health, emotional health, social health, environmental health. And we go down it, and it's really simple about the pros and cons. What are your risk factors? What are you putting on the line? And a lot of times when you write that out, it's almost a form of journaling, but it's really going into each aspect of your life, even your spiritual health, going into each of those um, domains and what are the pros of putting changing this? What are the cons and financial cons? Um, maybe sacrificing time with your family, maybe not being able to socialize with friends as much, all of these different things. The money issues are always big uh, on these. And then saying, well, who can I talk to? Something called informational interviewing. Who has been on a path similar to this? Not maybe exactly the same, who can I talk to about uh, what their path was like? How was that? Because sometimes that's very reassuring. Sometimes it's a little frightening and scary, but then um, then putting together a group, uh, if you decide to move forward, if the risks are something you feel like you can calculate, because a lot of times it's the unknown that scares us, the worry, the fear, the uncertainty, and we build it up in our heads. We make this, this whirling dervish of, of, oh my God, this fear when we can actually um, 
make it more concrete and therefore more manageable and therefore we move the loci of control from external more to internal so what can i control what variables do i have some control over and if it's school are there scholarships for people returning to school are there study groups for people who haven't been in school for a long time or changing careers are there people who've done the same thing who i can talk to and have a a social support you know facebook is is really good for those type of groups um, and then so mitigating the risks by first confronting them, you know, delineating them, clarifying them, processing them, and then finding those individuals who have either been on the path or on the path or are going to go on the path. And then that way you have some people who are at the same phase as you are, some people who've been through it so that they can maybe coach you or provide some insight and then some people who are maybe just starting so that you can provide support to them because it's always good to pay it forward. So I hope that helps. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. That covered a lot of what was asked and I thank you for that. I couldn't imagine uh, a world without taking risks. I, I, I just can't. For me personally, I want to try so many different things. I want to wear so many different hats and I'm willing to risk it even at the cost of failure because it's not failure. It's going to be a lesson. And I, I've said this in this room before, when you think about it, I do not want to be surrounded by the ghost of missed opportunities on my deathbed who say, you know what? We whispered in your ear that you could write a book that you could ask this person out, that you could do this, that you could do that, and you never followed through on those whispers. You, now, let's take a look at what your life would have been had you taken those risks. Oh no, those are not the spirits I wanna be visited by. I wanna be visited by the ghost of rock and roll who said, you tried everything, you did it, what a ride that was, what do we do next time we come around? So that's what I would like to, to add to this conversation. And so Dr. Allison, thank you so much. Michelle, did you wanna add something? No, I just thought what Dr. Allison said was absolutely wonderful. I am enjoying just listening. So passing the mic back. You got it. Thank you so much. And before we go on to our final question, I see that Deborah has joined us. Hello, Deborah. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Welcome to the stage. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so glad Michelle pinned me in the room. Thank you, Michelle. I love this subject. And thank you, everyone. Nice to meet you. I'm coming in from Los Angeles. And I love this negotiate your way out of self-sabotage. How many times have I done that, you know, blown up my life and uh, had to reinvent myself. But, you know, like you said, failures are lessons. What a key statement. Failures are lessons. And so I love this subject. And I was just thinking, I think it was Henry Thoreau or David Thoreau, I'm thinking right now, said that... Um, Oh, shoot, it's gonna, I'm going to blank right now. It's a quote by Henry David Thoreau, you know, that the mass of men and women are living in quiet desperation, you know? And sometimes successful people are suffering quietly. And so the self-sabotage thing can be really a real thing to face and to look at. So I love this subject. And... Um, I was just looking, Paul, at your bio and your book looks super interesting. So I'm going to get that today. And um, yeah, I wrote a chapter in a book called Here Comes the Sun called Suffering Quietly. And it's about those times, you know, I grew up in the entertainment business and I look back on some of the times that I blew up, you know, 
certain things and did that self-sabotaging. So yeah, it's great subject to anybody who's listening. Wow. What a gem of a room I fell into today. So thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me the time and I will pass the mic. Thank you. Well, thank you for your kind words, Deborah, and I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, Michelle? I was applauding. You... Go ahead. I, I can come in after. All right. You're just <laughs> applauding. <laughs> all right. I'm not sure. Just jump in whenever you want to. But yeah, Deborah, I think we've all gone through those moments where things have not worked out. And if we sit in what we think is a failure, if we sit there without moving forward, without taking something from it, and just adding it to our tool bag and saying, all right, that didn't work out. Um, no more placing my hand on the hot burner. That's not a good idea. I've learned something. I'm going to avoid the hot burner, whatever it is. We have to take something from the experiences that we go through so that we don't repeat the same lessons again is that we learn from it. So I, I, I love what you just um, shared, Deborah. It was a, a great share. Robert, did you want to add something? I, uh, I I called Michael up. Oh, Robert's got the mic. Yep. Robert, we can't hear you. All right. Um, Robert, when, when you want to jump in, just jump. Oh, are you there? Tony. No, that was me flashing. Uh, I just want to say, you know, what you're saying is oh, like, it's flashing. music. Oh, okay, no, you go ahead first. I'll, I'll come in after. We got you back on speaker, Robert. So if you want to go first, then we'll go, we'll go it over to Tony. All right. Can I, am I coming through now, Paul? You are, sir. Perfect. Thank you. I just want to say very, very quickly uh, to that uh, uh, exchange with Deborah. And thank you for that, Deborah. And welcome. Um, is that in the same way that the only stupid question uh, is the one that we don't ask, you know, when we're when we're looking to learn, you know, sometimes we're hesitant to ask the question. The only stupid question is the one we don't ask in the same way. The only real failure is when we quit. If we have a worthy goal, if we know that the goal is, in fact, what we want to achieve, then. The only real failure is not trying again. Anyway, yeah, I just thought I'd add that little footnote, Paul. Beautiful. And Tony, Tony, over to you. Oops, sorry, I had to find that 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 pause button as I'm in the middle of my uh, my honeydew list. Uh, as I'm listening to you guys, I, I love the fact that uh, I found my earbuds again, so I can actually multitask. Um, what I wanted to just add to, to what you said, and it's something that's music to my ears because that's what I talk about all the time, right? The, 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 the club and the room that I have that you've been in as well is get up and grow because we have to grow through what we go through. Otherwise, we keep going through it, right? So it's all about learning the lessons, taking the good, leaving the bad. And if you keep going through something, it's because you haven't learned the lesson. So I just wanted to point that out that if you keep going through something in life, pay attention, what's happening, why is it happening, and what lessons should you be learning that you haven't perhaps learned yet. So just wanted to add to that. Uh, back over to you, Paul. Oh, thank you. And what a great conversation. This whole day has been, this room has been just dynamite and on fire. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to take you back into the audience, but please do come back. Hey, Paul, while and, you do that, uh, can I add in yeah. something? It's you super certainly fast, can. Just based off of what? 
David Thoreau, and out of what you shared, Paul and Deborah, and even Tony, he has a quote that says, how vain is it to sit down and write when you've not stood up to live? And the question's not what you look at, but what you see, right? So, I mean, I think that it's so true. We've we've got to stand up and live. And, we, you know, that is part of what we perceive as a risk. So to that person that initially asked the original question, it really isn't a question. It's more just what we do. I mean, even we when we learn to walk, when we went from crawling to walking, it's our, our we are, I think, genetically invented to to risk to to grow uh so i just wanted to add that in and say thank you can you imagine if we never took the risk of standing on our two own two feet and moving forward <laughs> how many of us would be lying on the ground unable to move so thank you for that michelle what a great conversation again i'm going to repeat myself michael welcome to the stage uh, are you there yeah, I'm here. I, just, I know you're winding down, but I wanted to throw in a couple of points on this specific topic briefly that, that can contribute, I believe, which is to say it, two things. So the process in the human experience of managing our cash flow in our day job, by way of example, and managing our cash flow in launching a business Either way, there's an element of struggle. It's just that in one, there's a potential upside and potential breakthrough. And the second, the, you know, in, in the context of break the mold and get out of the quiet desperation and take the risk, pursuing the upside and what you're looking for and, the, and dreaming of. And then I can, I can share from experience having been, a, you know, co-founder of and founder of an executive of both the high risk, this can change an industry and the local businesses, that there are challenges in both. There's a challenge whether you're going to go for the gold or the challenge whether you're going to play at a smaller level. Either way, you come through the same types of negotiations, the same types of human interactions, the same types of things that can take something under. It's just that one has a bigger upside in terms of fulfillment, in terms of wealth, in terms of achievement, in terms of feeling on our deathbed that we have really gone after and reached our full potential, or at least attempted to do that in the short number of years we have in physical form. So that that's what I want to add to this thing about risk taking. Either way, You've got so only a certain amount of years here. Why not just pursue what you're called to pursue? I yield Mike. Thank you, Michael, and a very good point. Why not? Why not me? Uh, I remember on, on that note, uh, I remember when I started acting in film and television, uh, the first show that made it to the air, a couple of my uh, police officer friends watched it and one guy came to me and he said, uh, I was watching TV last night and I saw you, uh, I saw you on TV. Uh, wh why did they pick you? And I, I sat for a moment and I was kind of like dumbfounded a little bit. It's because I, well, number one, I auditioned for the part. I went out and I did the work and uh, that's not what I said to him. What I said to him was, why not me? And this is a question that we should each be asking ourselves. Why not you? 
why not you in that dream that you have? And, and Michael, I'm going to turn it over to you. Did you want to say something? Like, yeah, there's one other thing. Finish your thought, and then I'm going to add one other thing. Yeah, I just wanted to say that whatever it is that you dream of, the and this was discussed a little bit earlier in the room, is that our own worst enemies are ourselves. We are the ones who put the limitations on ourselves. Nobody else puts that on. Uh, people can try put, putting limitations on, but we're the ones who accept the limitations that we're handed or the ones that we give ourselves. We are limitless. So why not you is the thought that I just wanted to to end that with. So, Michael, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I wanted to highlight something I threw in the chat, um, but it, uh, it, it warrants a little bit of context. So people that have heard me on Clubhouse periodically have, have heard me mention that I had taken last year and retaken the year to live course and, and have been holding this context of, you know, what if this was your last year to live? What would you be doing today that you otherwise wouldn't? And I'm switch, been, uh, switching that up and I've now started uh, uh, taking some stuff with the Modern Elder Academy from Chip Conley. Uh, and it's it's basically looking at, you know, we what what is retirement? You know, we in the, taking the wisdom from elders in our society and your life ain't over at 50. There could be a whole other chapter if you look at what people created later in life. I had no idea by way of one illustration that like two thirds of Peter Drucker's books were written after 65. Uh, so there was a a short video in our class earlier today called Chasing the Sublime. And it, it ties into this notion of the of of risk taking. And it was about these river, cold water, river and, and lake swimmers that love the experience, the sublime experience of cold water swimming. And they candidly admit that they have an Eeyore, which is a reference to the donkey, the negative donkey, about actually jumping in the water, about getting in the water. Uh, and yet when they're in the water, they love it. And it, I, I found that to be just so profound. It's like we know what we want to have as an experience. We know it could be so passion filling and love it. And yet the actual dive in to take the step, to make the phone call, to take the action, to get in the water. Uh, and I found that to be profound. And, and one other thing, uh, there's a book by Dan Pink on that studied regret, the four regret camps. He, he puts it into, and I listened to something he was saying that really stuck with me a few weeks ago, again, out of this course material. And, and I am so guilty of this. We look back at the past decade and we feel this regret of what haven't we done and what, you know, how has it turned out? But regret can be a sign, he said, of, of fine tuning what is most important to us for the next decade and take what we regret about what we have not done didn't work out, didn't pursue in any area, relationship, profession, whatever. And then think about it as a cue for 10 years into the future, not having your 10 year into the future self 
regret the actions you didn't take now. So I guess I've shared a few different threads here. Now I really yield the mic back to you. Oh, thank you, Michael. That was a great share. It's so true. I, I, I earlier said I do not want to be visited by those ghosts who who point out the regrets I have, you know, that you, I never tried something. I never took that, that leap or jumped into the water. And that's not the way that I want to live my life. And I hope it's not the way that you want any one of us want to live our lives. So thank you, Michael. Just going to tuck you back into the audience. I so appreciate you being here and I hope you can join us again. And we are at the end of the room. Uh, we went a little bit over time, so I thank you for everyone who is able to stay. And Tony, any final thoughts that you want to add to the room before we close? And then I'll go to Michelle and King. Maybe not. And uh, Michelle, anything that you want to add? Uh, just that I thought it was I another... I just had to go. Oh, go yeah. ahead, Tony. No, no, sorry. I just had to... The phone was in my pocket. Remember, I'm on the honeydew list thing right now. Uh, listen, I would just say everything that everybody says is freaking brilliant. Just be careful of the words that you're using on yourself to yourself the people that you're surrounding yourself with and we're at the end of the show so i guess i'll say this you know freud famously said before you self-diagnose yourself with depression make sure that you're not just indeed surrounded by assholes right so watch your six who's in your circle uh and protect your your mind guard the, you know stand guard at the gates of your of, of your mind right of your garden mind your garden make sure that you're not just letting just anybody walk in there with dirty feet and dropping seeds of doubt and regret and anger and hate and all that other stuff. So appreciate all of you. Thanks for letting me be here and share with you guys. Boom. That was great. I hope you can come back next week. I'm putting you on the list if you don't mind. <laughs> and good luck with your list. All right, Michelle, over to you. Oh, what an incredibly invaluable room it was today. And I just also want to shout out to Kevin Martin, who just had jumped in the room. I always so, and Christopher, I always enjoy um, having them in our conversations uh, because of their own wealth of experience and the way in which they, you know, kind of put that together in a work of art. Uh, so just saying, hey, to you guys, uh, but to everyone who was here, thank you really for staying. I saw so many who stayed uh, the entirety of the room, uh, even though we went into the ish. I think we talked about um, topics that all um you know, all of us have hit at one point or another. And if we haven't hit them, we have people in our life that we know and or trust who may struggle with some form of this self-sabotage thing. So just really appreciated the shares. I just loved sitting back and, and learning. And I hope to see everybody again next week. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Michelle. Always a pleasure to have you here. So glad you're part of the team and have been for so long. You're amazing. You're awesome. King, over to you. Uh, thanks, Paul. Uh, so just, I mean, finally, just thank everyone for joining us today and every week that you do come and support us. It means a lot to us. And just don't let self-doubt paralyze you because the last thing you want to do is let it paralyze you into inaction. And it doesn't mean that you're going to transform or solve whatever, whatever struggles you're going through. It doesn't mean you're going to solve it overnight, but break it down into small manageable steps so it doesn't seem as overwhelming and just take it one step at a time, one day at a time. That's basically it. Uh, back to you, Paul. Thank you, King. Uh, always a pleasure having you here as well. So thank you, everyone. Uh, I, I want to say I so appreciate each and every one of the moderators who join me week after week. And when you do moderate, you guys are amazing. I love you. Thank you for being part of this. To every speaker who's 
jumped on stage here today who has asked a question even in the background uh, in in the chat or on stage here or who has shared their thoughts i so appreciate you you add value to the room and uh, you by speaking and by asking you are helping someone in the audience and what you say what you ask it could resonate with someone and make a real difference in their lives. So I thank you for having the courage and, and jumping up and, and speaking or asking the question in the chat. It's amazing. And to everyone else who has been listening and the listening audience, I thank you also, everyone who has given their non-refundable gift of their time. I thank you so very much. I wanna close the room with just a couple of thoughts on our patterns of focus. And uh, one of the things that uh, I want to ask you is, do you focus on what you have or do you focus on what you don't have? The second one I want to ask you is, do you focus on what you can control or on what you can't control? The third, do you focus on your past, your present or your future? And the fourth, do you focus on what you can do or on what you can't do? When you think of each and every one of those questions, they are profound. And if we are focusing on the wrong things, we are not growing. We could be sabotaging ourselves to the point of fear and immobilization. No time, sorry, I wanna say time is not guaranteed to anyone. We could be here for the next five minutes. We could be here for the next 50 years. We don't know. But what we can really focus on is the things that we can control in the moment. Right now, there's no place I'd rather be than here with each and every one of you. I've had an amazing two hours where I've listened to some great conversations, where I've participated, but where I've grown, where I can take something that I took from this room into my new week with, and I hope that this has done it for you as well. So. I'm going to close the room off in about five seconds. So uh, please let's unmute and say our goodbyes. And to each and every one of you, go have a great week on purpose. So thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.